Hello. Hello, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's been a again? day. Should we start again? <laughs> no. This is... <laughs> Get asked them to edit this. I'm on it, Daddy. <laughs> it, it's it's been a day. Um, Michael wanted us to kind of parody one of our favorite hang on, podcasts. Hang on, hang on. This so... is Michael, and this is Ashley, yeah. and this is an about a dog uh, raw, raw tidbit. tidbit. Now we've gotten out of the way. What are you drinking, Ashley? <laughs> I'm drinking that adulthood sucks. <laughs> Is that what you're calling the drink that you made? Yeah, I'm calling it foamy adulthood sucks. It's kind of foamy. I know it has cherry Dr. Pepper in it. Mm-hmm. It has uh, cherry Coke Zero in it. Mm-hmm. And what else have you put in there that has caused your face to turn a lovely shade of pink? Uh, raspberry so, schnapps. Schnapps, 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 schnapps. <laughs> Uh, Kirschwasser. Ah. Hypnotic. Uh-huh. Some, like, Johnny Walker red apple thing. That your face is currently turning that color? Yeah, I don't know why. Um, um, is there corn in anything that you just, you know, ingested? I know there's high fructose corn syrup in both beverages that you no, use. No, the Cherry Coke Zero does not have high fructose corn syrup, but you're... Mine does. Yeah, so while we're talking about this, I have a food allergy. I'm allergic to corn. And apparently I'm allergic to yellow jackets, which multiple stings over two summers has brought to my attention. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I'm wrong. Three stings. Yeah. There's one one summer and the two this summer. Yay! Yay! Fucking demon bugs. Um. Shall I get you a Benadryl, Doc? No. No, I want to get you a Benadryl. No. Keep talking. I'm going to get you a Benadryl. So apparently I'm keeping talking. Yes. So, you keep <laughs> Michael just wants me to keep talking. You won't start! Alright, well, I mean, so, this is a raw tidbit. We're going to be talking about socialization. And keep talking. And temperament at the temperament of a show dog and why is it important. Temperament of an Ashley who takes her Benadryl. Because of her allergy. Because I'm a scarred. That noise you hear is the sound of Ashley downing the adulting sucks with two Benadryl. Yep. So this might turn into a loopy podcast. Welcome to about a... <laughs> yeah. Um, so this topic again is socialization uh-huh. and why temperament is important for a show dog. And what that means. And this topic is brought to you. Oh my god, there's a sponsorship here? No. Oh, don't do that. There was a suggestion. I had hopes. I know. (laughs) But it's brought to you guys from our wonderful friend, Jackie. Ah, the lovely Jackie. Jackie breeds, owns, shows, handles American Staffordshire Terriers. Friend of the show. Big time friend of the show. She called me her homie once. Yeah. I'm not kidding. I like sent her something random that I found was kind of cool. She goes, thanks, homie. You just bright- day brightened. So I yeah. was like, cool. Jackie's a lovely person, lovely human. One of the nicest people I've met in my life. Mm-hmm. And I can count on like two hands so that there were that many yeah. people. So yeah. Incredibly nice person. So thanks, Jackie, for suggesting this. We're totally doing it now. As Eileen would say, yas! Yas! <laughs> So another friend of the podcast. Yes, another friend of the podcast. Socialization. 
there's been, in the dog world, there's been a lot of focus on socialization. Mm-hmm. But there needs to be a play toward more adding a couple of words to socialization. The term socialization just kind of inhibits saying, oh my god, let's go show the puppy to everything. No, 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 no. Yeah, because instantly my mind, um, and this is only because of past experience prior to our, you know, being together, social interaction for Kemper and Penny would involve basically going to the nearest dog park. Yeah, so... And just saying... Go. go! Go forth! Be free! Socialization should really be called controlled socialization. Mm-hmm. Meaning that the owner or breeder or both... Breeder, can, owner, handler. Yeah, breeder, owner, handler, what have you, control the situation and make sure that every social interaction is seen as a positive thing. You make it sound like it's an experiment. We need absolutely sterile conditions. Well, in a sense, it kind of is. Purebred dogs, in the most horrible sense, are eugenics come to life. Which is terrible to say, but it is. It's all about breeding better and bettering the species, which is eugenics, which is nasty. But in a domesticated animal, it's also breeding for a point, breeding for a purpose, all of that. So, but socialization, I would say most dog owners do it incorrectly unless they have guidance from a breeder or a trainer. Mm. If you are told to socialize your dog, your immediate thought process is to take him to like a dog said, park. Dog park. Um, take him to Petco, PetSmart. Those sort of places. Open area mall yeah. that may be available. Yeah, dog-friendly places. Yep. Now, that may seem like a good idea in theory, but when it's practiced, it can get out of hand rather quickly. Especially like the incident that happened with Alice at the dog park where you chased an owner. Yes, I did. <laughs> you need to control your damn dog. Did you penetrate my dog? Your dog got hard while trying to... <laughs> hump my intact female who was not in season oh my god that was so scary we weren't even living together at the time oh, i flipped a shit uh, no you flipped your shit and somebody else's shit you borrowed to flip yeah i did but <laughs> you come after my dogs i'm gonna go mama bear crazy on oh, your yeah, ass absolutely um but dog parks when they first came out, it was touted as this great idea to have your dog socialize, burn off energy, all of that. When they were a controlled environment, meaning that experienced people went to dog parks, they were great. But now that it has become this situation where everybody and their mama thinks that dog parks are great, mm-hmm. that control is taken away. Especially when it's like those particular dogs that are, you know, treated, shall we say, with special care. Probably overly cared for, I guess you could say. Yeah, and you you also have a case where a lot of rescues and people who foster and adopt tend to bring their dogs to dog parks. Mm-hmm. While they may have the best intentions... 
it can cause a lot of unpredictable behavior. Memory serves. The road to hell is paved with those, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> and it's... I, I can understand what the owners are trying to do, but the whole point and purpose of a dog park is to allow controlled socialization. Mm-hmm. Meaning that only dogs who are good with other dogs mm-hmm. and are verbally controllable yeah. should go to dog parks. If you do not have verbal control over your dog mm-hmm. and they are not 100% dog safe, then they should never step foot into a dog park. Okay, so we can't take Celine. No, I only say that because she's always the holdout in the morning. She, I will call her, I will call her. At one point, I had to actually go out and drag her to come in because I knew she was done, but she was just lollygagging. But the difference is with Celine, she's 100% dog safe Mm. so the verbal control meaning that they know their name and they're going to respond to your verbal voice and just basically go they're not going to say fuck you and run away well celine has what my mother would call in regards to my father's selective hearing yeah she will respond when she wants to respond she is a typical hamilton that's very true and that's another thing. But Penny, she she's fine. Yeah, Penny's fine. We know which ones we could take into a dog park perfectly fine. Not Kemper. Kemper, no. <laughs> Any Ro- dog but Kemper. <laughs> Rolo would be questionable mm. only because he is an intact male with testosterone and does not take any bullshit. Yeah, he is. He is the the toy police. He's the fun police. Yeah, yeah. But in the best way possible. He he views going out to places as a reward. So he views it as there's a time and a place, and you don't get to act like a fool. Would Rollo be one of those people who think riding on an airplane is still an event? Yes. Yes. He Rollo is very much a... Giggity. <laughs> A dapper gentleman outside <laughs> who get him at home and he's a totally different dog. So, bully outside, inside. <laughs> yeah, very much so. That's Roe. But back to the whole socialization. Back on task. Piece. Why I mentioned Petco and PetSmart in particular. Well, don't they have dog trainers there? They do. But the problem is they allow other leashed animals in and they also allow adoptions Mm. which adds in the element of it being uncontrolled because you're dealing with animals that that you don't know their background Mm -hmm. and you don't know the other person's experience and you also don't know what could happen if there's an adoption going on it is an unpredictable situation and also unfortunately we've experienced it they didn't actually have like an actual class going on when they had a rescue in the store we visited did they because no i don't think they scheduled it that way no but what i mean is socialization is you just pitching up with a young puppy on a saturday Mm -hmm. to get stuff Oh, I remember. Do you remember when we took puppies to Petco and one of the managers didn't wash their hands oh, before yeah. handling them? Yeah, and, and see, that's the, that's the whole kicker, is 
you have to be in control of the situation at all times. I know, right? And, oh my god. And that's another thing I'm going to bring up. PetSmart and Petco, for the most part, their associates that we have experienced firsthand, they are not the brightest nowadays. With certain individuals excluded from that, naturally. Yes, because, you know, Michael used to work for Petco. As did um, fellow... um, Guest. Guest on the podcast, Sam, um, my best friend, Roger. Mm -hmm. Um, There were a lot of good people that I work with at Petco that actually were... Passionate. And very intelligent. Yes. About what they did, but... That was that store. This is a completely different location and we're overgeneralizing. And and also, as a general rule, Mm -hmm. if you you were to go to any PetSmart or Petco Mm -hmm. and you were to ask them a simple question Mm -hmm. that any pet store associate should be able to answer. Oh, I know where you're going with this. And that is, name two breeds that are in the AKC Top 10 Popularity, go. I wouldn't be able to do it. (laughs) I wouldn't be able to do it right now. Just think of two popular breeds. Well, first is obviously the Golden. Yep, that's like number three or four. What was the, uh... What was Banana Joe? Affenpincher? No. He won Westminster, didn't he? But that, what I mean is popularity, number of registrations. That raised the popularity of the breed when he won Westminster. Not that much. So you're not giving that to me? No, it's not in the top ten. So... But my, my whole thing is... German Shepherd. Yes, that is in the top ten, I think, still. Um, but, I mean, the main ones that I would expect someone to know are, like, Labrador, Golden, Frenchie, Yorkie. Those are the popular breeds that they're going to see on a day-in, day-out basis. Is this going to get us banned from either one of these stores? <laughs> if it does, fuck it. <laughs> wow! Amazon. Well, I love stumping them, though, with the, no, the little coupon no. thing. That's fun for me. I do, too. And I'm going to stump them tomorrow with my little manufacturer's coupons from Merrick. Yay! <laughs> Check the expiration dates on those. Oh, they don't them. expire until, like, 2020. Fuck. Okay, never mind. Um, so... Sorry about your luck, Peco Associate, <laughs> whoever you are. Yeah. But that that's another thing, is you're not dealing with experienced people who understand what you're trying to do, and that is provide controlled socialization. Well, if we're going to go all out, then I think it's time where, for once, I'm the expert in regards to this particular situation, considering, as I said, I used to work at Petco. Mm -hmm. Trainers, Mm -hmm. excluding one of my favorite ones, um, I think he was was from New Zealand. His name was Hamish. It was Mm -hmm. a weird name for him, but but he was a really nice guy. But they are, they have sort of a quota. Yeah, aren't they commission-based? They have a quota that they have to meet, and they are somewhat commission-based. So essentially, them getting a sale is a good thing, because I do recall managers wanting the trainers to specifically get Mm -hmm. as much in the way of classes as they could, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I've actually not gone out of my way to say this, but... Donations I did very good, mm-hmm. but it got to the point where in certain areas my tactics didn't exactly work very well to the point where I actually was kind of bullied a little bit by this particular manager, so I still kept doing what I was doing, but the point was they're very corporate-centric in regards to mm-hmm. wanting to make sure the customer is happy, and if they're not happy, you're under the bus automatically. 
Yeah. Well, and, but the whole thing is, is you're dealing with a cookie cutter company who thinks that everybody should fit in their cute little mold. And if you don't fit in their cute little mold, then they don't know how to deal with you. I wish I could remember what they had, but they had specific categories for people who were buying dog food or cat food or what have you. Mm-hmm. This type of person would fit in this, this person would fit in this, this person would fit in this. Exactly. And based on that, you're supposed to figure out what their needs are. I gotta be honest with you. I Since I didn't retain it now, years later, obviously it didn't fucking stick. But the point is, my general knowledge in regards to just basically dog stuff in general is what got me through. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I sold a lot of Furminators. But anyway. But, I mean, if you want to do controlled socialization, one of the best places that you can go is find a mom and pop pet food store. Do we, what, what's that? What's that? Do I hear a plug coming? Are, are you going to shamelessly plug an organization that is local and and not we love know Red about? Ridge. There it is. Um, they are our local um, small business pet food store, mm. and their associates and their owners are incredibly knowledgeable and very engaging as well. Yes, very engaging. Are Willing to help. Yeah, very willing to help and mm-hmm. know their products inside and out. Know yeah. the virtues of them. It, I've gone in there numerous times saying, hey, I'm looking for something that can give my dogs a good protein boost while they're at a trial. What do you recommend? And they're throwing out all these different things from various different brands that right. shows to me that they are not you know, sponsored to sell a certain brand over another one or anything right. like that. They're, they're all about bettering the dog and doing what's best for the dog. And that also means in terms of socialization. But right now, Aston is not doing what's best for Eleven. So, they understand what happens and how dog socialization works. And even they host like dog walks and community walking things. And So, your mom and pop are going to be your ones that are going to be a lot more knowledgeable a bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Than your run-of-the-mill PetSmart and Petco's from what we've experienced. Again. I, again, this is from what we've experienced in our local area. Now, other places where you can take your dog that are good forms of socialization, as Aston goes in the ex-dog vest box. You knew he was going to. You left the box thing down on the ground. I know. Um, is and check with your local stores. Mm-hmm. Because some have different rules than others. Yeah. But generally, Lowe's and Home Depot will let you bring a, a leashed yeah. dog in. We've taken both Raven and Rolo, I think, in opposing weekends, too. Yeah. We put them on that little L-shaped dolly mm-hmm. and had them sit there. That actually image picked up on my feed at work. But they can provide good, controlled socialization of people in a crowd and where you know you're not going to see a lot of strange dogs and you are going to hear a lot of strange sounds because like remember when we were at All Dog with Kemper Mm -hmm. and they did the balance thing and that was startling him and a lot of the other dogs you're going to hear forklifts go off you're going to hear things scrape across the screen yeah you're going to hear things all over the place keys being made yeah but it's a great place for young dogs and even dogs that you're just trying to build up the confidence for mm-hmm. them yeah it's a great first environment to just take things slow right because also with Lowe's and home depot being so large mm-hmm. 
you can easily, if you want to go work on something and work on like a quiet down stay or a sit stay, you can go hide off in a corner and probably won't be bothered for a while. That doesn't say much about the sales staff in these locations. No, but it's because the stores are so large. It okay. That's, that's what I mean, is that you can easily have some time to yourself mm-hmm. if you want to focus on something. Yeah. Whereas, like, a PetSmart or Petco, you may not be allowed that opportunity, and you definitely would not get that opportunity at a dog park. Well, one time where I think there's an exception, going back to Hamish again, mm-hmm. he actually did a very good teaching class like and he scheduled it like the best possible time of the night Mm -hmm. near closing time Mm -hmm. around eight o'clock when there was hardly anybody in the store and and a good trainer will know that and that's this is the final one of finding a good trainer for socialization Mm -hmm. is going to be your best bet talk to your breeder talk to your vet those two places should be able to tell you good local training areas. And, you know, we've got a few that we're not going to name. They know who they are, that they're good or they're not. Wait, you mean dog trainers? Yeah, and dog training locations. We're not going to name them. Um, They know who they are. And they will probably be able to figure it out when I tell, you know, what's going (laughs) on. So, what a good socialization event would be... At a manners class. Um, well, no, I was bringing this to your attention because if you're going to support local, I want to do the same thing. Okay, well then. Because we've actually, um, this young lady was a dog trainer at the Petco that Sam, Roger, Richard, Larry, and myself all worked at. Mm-hmm. Um, she went off to do better, bigger and better things and opened her own like uh, daycare, Tra- dog training, that training, sort of thing. Facility. Right called Tori's Canine Adventures. And Ashley and I will can vouch for this as well, considering, mm-hmm. I think, Kemper and Penny, they stayed there mm-hmm. um, for a few days when we went to New York the first time. Mm-hmm. And I think Alice stayed, like, just for a day. Yeah, Al did a day of daycare. Yeah. And that's... An, so, on top of trainers, trainers can also recommend good daycare places. Daycare mm-hmm. can provide wonderful... Socialization. Socialization between dogs. It's not going to provide you a lot of dog-to-people socialization, but it mm-hmm. will give your dog great dog-to-dog communication skills. Mm-hmm. And that is just as important as dog-to-people skills because more than likely, if you're taking your dog out to, if there's like a dog-friendly mall, mm-hmm. they're going to need to know how to behave around other dogs right. in a socially acceptable way. And a good trainer would give you mm-hmm. um, the instructions and the tools. Yep. And as we say often in this particular podcast, they will give you homework to do. So remember, always do your homework. Do your homework, do your research. And so ideally, what a good training class should have if you're just doing a basic manners class, should be teaching you certain things. And then at the end, allowing the dogs to have a little bit of a brain break and letting some socialization happen that way in a very controlled environment for short bursts. That's another thing about socialization. It should be in short bursts. Especially for a young dog. Mm -hmm. You don't want to overload them too much. Right. Keep socialization... To 30 minutes tops. Hmm. 
Don't want to overstimulate Yeah, them. no overstimulating. Just let them chill. Let them do what they want to do. I wish the cats would chill. What'd you do? Give them catnip? No, I didn't give them catnip at all. I don't know what they're doing. They're just running around like hooligans. Well, they have to run on the rest of the house. We're just in here. Yeah. So. Sorry if you can hear it, guys. Um, but with socialization, ideally what a good breeder should do is do either should probably do both the rule of sevens and the hundred faces Mm -hmm. the rule of sevens is seven different surfaces by seven weeks old Mm -hmm. let the dog walk on seven different surfaces be it grass tile wood gravel all of these various different things and up and down you did this with the puppies, didn't you? When yes, you were I born? did. I did. I did the rule of sevens, and doing the hundred faces is really, really, really tough to do. Mm. Hundred faces is one hundred faces by the time the puppies go to their new homes. That's insanely hard to do. That's why we had the puppy party. You mm-hmm. were trying to cheat. No, I wasn't trying to cheat. Puppy oh, parties kinda. do that. Oh. So it's all. So the hundred faces is letting the puppies. From the time that their eyes open, let them see new people and different faces so mm-hmm. that they're not just attached to one face. Right. So that's what a good breeder should do. At a minimum, should attempt the hundred faces and should be openly admit that they are attempting it because that means that they're going out and doing things and allowing visitors and should also follow the rule of sevens. Were you successful? In the rule of sevens, yes. In the hundred faces, no. <laughs> Was short probably by about 50. But... Wow. I would have at least put it at like 90-something. I'm being conservative on that. Mm. Because we did take them in short bursts to PetSmart, Petco, with hand sanitizer people. You know, they weren't... Certain people. Yeah. So they yeah, were... I've never forgotten that. Uh, and we were taking them to, like, shows and show class before they left. We do have a dog-friendly mall in our area, and they were t- and they were wandering around there. So, probably it is more than... What are you laughing about? <laughs> Most recent trip to that dog-friendly mall, what happened with the new lead we had for her? Uh, we found out that Celine can slip a biofane lead. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> she gets loose. Mandy and, uh, and all of us, we immediately are just like immediately upset. I can't remember. Was Mandy the one who got him or got Celine back or was it you? It was either myself, Mandy, or Kelly. One somebody, of us. somebody got or Celine back. Or maybe Kelly's daughter. So we got her back and I was just like, eh, hey, whatever. Um, you can always tell what it triggers in my mind because I start remembering it and laughing. Um, but... That that's the whole thing is socialization needs to be controlled and the whole thing that we're building up to with socialization is a well-rounded dog with correct temperament. This is the part two. Kemper is not the correct temperament. Let's just go ahead and say that he's a. You should not do that. Yeah. So he was kind of treated like a baby. Yeah, like a child kind of thing. And that's another thing I want to emphasize is. You notice we don't call ourselves fur mummies, fur daddies. They are not fur children. They are dogs. They we do call them our kids because we treat them as such. But to an do, extent. But that does not mean that we view them as equal to human children. They are dogs. We know that they are dogs and have dog 
brains. This is kind of contradicting something that I said earlier in regards to the argument I had with the relative. But, no, it doesn't, because you said that dogs aren't family. Dogs are family. They hold a different place no, in... he said dogs aren't family. Yes, but dogs are family. That's what, what my, I, That was my yes, point. Yes, yeah. they are. But I want to say that we are not fur parents. No. We are owners. Yeah. We view ourselves as something a little bit more because the, the fur mommy and fur daddy thing... I hate it because it's it's putting dogs at a disservice because it's forgetting that they are dogs. You realize that my mother has on her car, I love my grand dogs, right? Yes, I do. I gave it to her. I know. But when I mean fur mommy and fur daddy thing, I mean like going out and buying them designer clothing <laughs> and... You know, basically molly coddling. Going, going to Three Dog Bakery on their birthday to get them a cake. Hey, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I just have been to a dog party before. No. Where the dog was dressed up and there was a Three Dog Bakery cake. But Is that I even mean, around anymore? No, not here. Oh. Well, some places might have it. Lucky you. But what I mean is like the anthropomorphizing. Yeah. The What happened to Kemper. Yeah. And that does a disservice to dogs. Because it forgets the fact that they are dogs and have their own unique language and way of being that needs to be encouraged instead of discouraged. Mm. Which a lot of the fur mommy trend tends to discourage canine behavior and canine language. Like butt sniffing, ground sniffing. All of these things, you know, are very valid canine ways of communicating. And if you continue to do that, then behavioral issues can start. One thing that I actually observed um, at the recent um, Cluster Colony show that we were at. Mm-hmm. First cool. Colony? Yeah. I just remember it being First Colony Cluster whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, one of Jackie's dogs was making a noise. Mm-hmm. And I tried to correct the behavior and Jackie corrected me on that, which reminds me of something that W. Kamau Bell said, which is don't don't try to parent the situation if you don't know how I parent, basically. Right. Which and goes back to, to what Jackie said. Jackie, those are Jackie's dogs. Mm-hmm. She knows them better than I do. She was absolutely correct yep. to correct me in regards to that behavior. So I took that information, sat my happy ass down, and shut the fuck up. Because what she was trying to do was... Um, one of her dogs is developing separation anxiety and right. getting whiny and bitchy. Out. And- yeah, hi, Al. But the only way to correct that is to not give them any attention at all. Mm. So the fact that you told her to hush yeah. is reinforcing the bad behavior. Right. So it, it's one of those things... Uh, let's have more psychology, Dr. Freud. Yeah. <laughs> so let dogs be dogs yeah. for, for that. Yeah. Now, we're going to go into temperament and show dogs. If you have... How long is this running? We're at 30 minutes. We're fine. Already? Yeah. I can <laughs> raw, actually... ten, raw tidbits don't tend to be a full episode. It is today. <laughs> I could go on and on and on about this because... And so, you are. I've noticed. Well, I haven't even gotten into the temperament thing. So... <laughs> Am I adjusting your temperament? Yes, you are. <laughs> so, 
Temperament is one of the five key elements of breed type, mm-hmm. as described by the late, great Richard Beauchamp. Um, I'm his, wondering if you've mentioned Yes, him. in his book, Solving the Mysteries of Breed Type. Which happens to be behind Ashley over her left shoulder. On your left. <laughs> yeah, I love On that your book. left. <laughs> so, <clears throat> temperament, we kind of are in this age in dog shows where a lot of show dogs, you kind of want them to have the same temperament. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. Yeah. Temperaments should be a breed thing. They are mm-hmm. breed specific. And some breeds have a t- different temperament completely. Yeah. And that needs to be encouraged. Like if a, if a breed standard says aloof. Yeah. Then they better be fucking aloof. Yeah. However, they better be socialized enough so that a judge can examine them and safe enough so that they're not going to be aggressive around other dogs. Right. That's the bare bones minimum mm-hmm. that all show dogs should be, is confident enough to not shy away from a judge, either on the table or on the floor, during examination. Because let's face it, when it is going to be dog show ring examination, the judge will have hands on the dog. That's what she means by examination. Yep. They're going to have hands on the dog. They're going to be checking the tail. Mm-hmm. They'll ask for the, the handler teeth. to show the bite. Yep. And so you need to have a dog that's confident enough to stand there mm-hmm. and take the examination. It's very similar to a vet examination. Right. So do that at home and your vets will be happy. Kind of similar to what you did with the puppies when yeah. they were little in regards yeah. to mess with their paws. Yeah, mess with their paws, mess with their little noses and teeth yeah. and lips. and But they also need to be friendly around dogs. I'm not saying go up to every single dog and, and just invite a play session. No, I mean, not want to rip their head off hmm. and be able to just walk through a crowd. Yeah. And correct temperament, <clears throat> what I mean is correct temperament is something that a judge should be able to see during examination and examination i do mean during the the full exam Mm -hmm. and during gate and while they're watching the whole ring go like the whole thing go down all the dogs go around in the ring yes so certain breeds have Certain ways that you can exhibit temperament in the ring. Some terriers, there's a practice known as sparring. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating to watch. And what it does is it takes... A judge will pull out... And the breed standard says this breed can be sparred. And what that means is that a judge will pull out two dogs, bring them in the middle, have them face each other... And they should fixate on one another. They should not be aggressive, Mm -hmm. but they should fixate and automatically start puffing up their chest and being like, oh, I'm the best. I'm better than you. And it's a posturing behavior. Mm -hmm. Some terriers will do it. Some won't. Again, written in the breed standard. Right. And a judge should know the difference. Mm. If a judge says, hey, let's try and spar some rat terriers. You are wrong, buddy. Mm. Same with American Hairless Terriers. No. And Amstaffs. 
Didn't you recently have, from what I recall, a nickname for the American Hairless Terrier? No, it wasn't a nickname. It's if I decided to get a naked one, then it was going to be called something. And I'm not going to say it because I'm not going to give it away. <laughs> Thank you, Mandy. <laughs> um, I still thought it was funny. So, um, and another way is German Shepherds have a little temperament test thing. Yeah. In the ring where a judge will come up. Usually it's like either right before they're examined or right when they come in the ring. Mm -hmm. A judge will come up and ask for the dog to come up to the judge and accept a friendly stranger and accept a pet or a pet. See, that's one of the things Petco actually will test. They'll actually, I've actually been on the receiving end of being Mm -hmm. the friendly stranger in a dog training test. Right, and it's also an element of the canine good citizen test. Mm. And I think that's actually what she was doing. Yeah, it's an element of that. But in German Shepherds, it's written into their standard that they need to do that because they should be a breed that has courage in spades. Mm. So they should never shy away from a stranger. Mm. However... Could be considered a standard fault then. Do I need to wash my hands now? No, she's fine. Um, but one thing that a judge needs to understand is that if the breed standard calls for aloof, like for some of your livestock guardian breeds, where it is a matter of life and death, whether they accept a friendly stranger. And when I mean life and death, I mean they, for the most part, are bred to live, eat, breathe, birth puppies, breed all that stuff out in the flocks of sheep mm-hmm. and in the livestock, goats, what have you. Yep. That's what they're bred to do. They're bred to view these livestock as their pack. Yeah. And so if they were running up to a person and going, oh my God, you're the best, then that brief head turn could mean that a predator just attacked part of the flock. All right. So it's not life or death for the dog. It's life or death for their pack. She says in air quotes. In air quotes. So... A judge, so if they're looking over a Commodore or a Kuvas mm-hmm. or a Anatolian or um, Central Asian Shepherd and some of the more like Eastern European breeds like the Sharpalonic, if I said that correctly, mm. um, those breeds should be aloof. They may, you know, shy away just a touch, but they still should stand for the exam. Right. But they shouldn't have a tail wagging. Their tail should not be up. They still should be comfortable in their surroundings, but not initiating anything. They should not have the temperament of a golden retriever. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. So you can see the temperament of a Labrador or a golden in the show ring. Why? Because they're usually the dorks running down the show ring with their tail half out and their, and their tongue like going... <laughs> Basically like Rollo. Yeah, well... Well, Rollo's been known to do that in the backyard, dude. Yeah, in the backyard, but not in the ring. True, never in the ring. So He's all business. Here's here's the difference. So, with Hamiltons, we've had this happen to us loads of times, and it pisses me off so much. Um, just so you know, just give you a, a verbal description of what Ashley just did. Both of her fists were clenched. <laughs> yeah. She was experiencing a little bit of anger, a little bit of rage. So, Hamiltons as a breed, when they move, their tails should never go above the level of their back. 
judge at one point when a dog was stacked lift the yep. tail up? And I told them you need to read the breed standard again. I've said that a few times. Um, there are other ways that you can determine the tail set of my dog without lifting and cranking their tail up to an uncomfortable position. Thank you very much. So, that also means the breed standard, the way that it's written, especially for UKC shows, and I know why, because I helped write the damn standard, is the breed standard says even-tempered, elegant, and focused, and driven, which means... They are not supposed to be goofy, dorky hound dogs in the middle of the scent hound ring. No, they are supposed to be business-like. They should view the show ring as their job. Right. Only puppies should be allowed a little bit of freedom, puppies and young dogs. But when they get into the show ring, they should view it as a very serious thing. But also enjoy it. Yes, enjoy it and be confident. If you were to compare, because this has happened, I've had a judge come up to me, a couple of them, say that they would have given my dog a group placement or even a group win over a coonhound, but they didn't because the coonhound had more animation. Problem. Read the breed standard. Right. Hamiltons are not Not supposed supposed to to show over animation. They're supposed to be even-tempered, with a workmanlike attitude in the ring. They are not supposed to be goofy looking. They're not supposed to be dorky in the ring. But isn't it also at the discretion of the judge, basically? What do you mean at the discretion? The discretion should... The well, judge, the judge is supposed to pick the best dog of the day in their opinion. In their opinion. Right. But if they do not know the breed standard fully, then that's a problem. Speaking of, Aston's on the counter. And we've had this happen numerous times. Yes, Aston on the counter. Yeah. Numerous times. He's off. He's he's in his perch. But we've had this happen a few times where the judge just assumed that all scent hounds have the same temperament. And that's not true. Some have different temperaments. For example, beagles. It says specifically in the standard... A merry little hound. Mm -hmm. They are supposed to be a lot of dog in a little tiny package. Yeah. But they're also supposed to be happy. So if you have a beagle that's shying away on the table, that's not a good temperament. No, it's not a happy dog. Same with um, Petit Basset Griffon Vendéance. They're Mm -hmm. supposed to be happy-go-lucky little hounds. Right. If they're shying away... It's a problem. Yeah. Another thing is beagles, you can tell how they're feeling by the way they carry their tail. It's like mm-hmm. their little barometer. Yeah. If the tail's up and almost quivering a little bit, they're happy. Yeah. If it's curling down, they're a little unsure. Mm-hmm. But the more they curl it down and under yeah. is the, you know, the sign of whether they're liking the situation or not. And there are certain breeds where you can tell that. Mm-hmm. So, like, coonhounds in general, are supposed to carry their tail elevated and just minimal Mm hand-holding. They shouldn't be forcing. They shouldn't be cranking. They shouldn't be 
touching the dog overly or jerking or pulling. No, mm-hmm. they should be doing this because they like what they're there to do. Yeah. So, coonhounds, they're going to be more goofy because that's what they're supposed to be. Yeah. Basset hounds, they're supposed to be kind of just kind of lump on a stump kind of attitude. Just... <laughs> But they're also supposed to be a little bit happy and a little bit dopey. Yeah. Dachshunds should be terrier-like. So... I've actually heard basset hounds called uh, by a different term, basket hounds. Because mm-hmm. they're a little bit crazy. Sorry, I just, yeah. it just now occurred to me. But dachshunds are supposed to be ter- terrier-like. So they're supposed to be in your face. Go, 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 go. And you should be able to see that in the way that they're moving. And that's all about this whole temperament package mm-hmm. in the show ring. And so then it gets into the tough part of breeds that were bred to be fighting dogs. Mm-hmm. Obviously, dog fighting is shitty. It is illegal. It is horrible. It is and a horrible this, thing to do. And this podcast does not condone it in any way, shape, or form. No way. We do not condone that at all. We condemn it more than anything. Right. But we understand that some of these blood sports like pit fighting... Bull and bear baiting are horrible, horrible things. Mm -hmm. However, some breeds came from that. Yeah. Which means that their temperament should reflect that. Mm -hmm. They should not, again, the simple rule of a show dog is they should be good around other dogs and confident enough to be in the ring. Mm. So if a dog is bred to be a pit fighter... That does not mean that we want you on the end of the lead going face-to-face with another dog. Round one, fight! Yeah, no. Yeah. We should see some intensity. Yeah. But that's it. That's all it should be, is intensity. And for, like, your um, bull and bear baiting, intensity. Because Mm -hmm. some of your, like, your bulldog, they're supposed to be intense and supposed to have enough temperament and drive to hang off of a bull i think i've mentioned this before on the podcast um in regards to an incident that happened you know harking back to my old petco days um we don't blame the breed on the show by any stretch we don't blame the breed but we do acknowledge genetics do pay play a role no, no, no. I'm not. Con- I'm not disputing that by any stretch of the imagination. It's just reiterating what you just said. Yeah, we I'm are, just saying yeah. that people should have a more open mind in regards Correct. to certain breeds. Correct. And we do not support breed-specific legislation at all. Mm. There have been numerous studies to say that they don't work, and breed-specific le- legislation can actually cause aggression to arise in other breeds. That aren't targeted, which in turn means more aggressive dogs. It's just so, going to shift the aggression yeah. to a different area. And we're kind of veering off topic, which is my fault. I get yeah. it. So then you've got toy breeds like your Chihuahuas and Miniature Pinchers. Miniature Pinscher, the breed standard says the king of toys. So that damn dog, when, the, when they walk in the ring, mm-hmm. they better prance in there like they're fucking royalty. <laughs> and they do. A, a really nice men pin will prance in there like they own the place. Mm-hmm. Airedales, king of terriers. They should own that ground that they walk on. And that's temperament. Temperament is so critically important. And purebred dogs, so unbelievably important because it really 
is the is that hidden piece of if they look like an Australian shepherd, but they behave like a golden retriever, we got a problem. Yeah. Because then they're not an Australian shepherd. Mm-mm. An Australian shepherd is a herding breed. They're not a sporting breed. Right. Australian shepherds should have that drive, should want to herd things, should want to go, 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 go. But they shouldn't be psycho. Yeah. Same thing for border collies. I'm talking to you, agility border collie people. They should not be psycho. Um, then the fun part is non-sporting breeds. Non-sporting is basically the, just this amalgamation of dogs just don't fit. Just like, here, throw them in this group. It, it is. No, I, I'm, I'm laughing at it as if to say, we don't have a group for you. You go sit over there with everyone else over there. That's it's, your group right over there. Because originally there used to be two groups of dogs, yeah. sporting and non-sporting. non-sporting. Yeah. And they just worked them in like that. So you've got breeds like Chow Chows. Mm-hmm. Chow Chows were guardians and somewhat fighting-esque years ago. I mean, the development was a little bit skewed a bit. I was going to say sketchy? Yeah. And so a chow was supposed to be aloof, definitely independent, stubborn. My sister had a chow. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me, let me rephrase. My late sister had a chow. Um, Bear was its name. It actually looked like one. Um, I don't think I've ever told this story on the podcast. You've probably heard it, but I actually wanted to ask Tori a question. And there's this long, narrow hallway, and it's just Bear sitting in the center. And as I was getting closer, he went, ooh. I hear my sister go, what do you want, Michael? Yeah, but that's that's a chow for you. They're, yeah. They bond to their people. And, they and know only to their people. Yeah. Um, but the then you have... black tongue thing. Yeah, them and Sharpe. Yeah. Blue black tongue. Um, but then you have, like, Dalmatians. They're bred to run along underneath carriages. Oh, Jake. And... <laughs> oh, I had a... Uh, technically, it wasn't my dog, but... It, Family it, dog. It, it was a dog born out of a failed relationship that my sister had. Oh. And they ended up not taking care of the dog as much, but I did. Oh. And uh, he had a heart condition, poor thing. Mm. Yeah, didn't make it. Mm. But Dal's bred, sorry, but Dal's are bred to run. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was All day bit, long. He so, was a little bit nuts. He was very energy driven. So you're supposed to see some energy there. Poodles, mm. water retrievers. Mm. So you should see this bounding, energy filled temperament. Sporting breeds. Bred to go and chase. So, you, you know, even even your Sussex and Clumbers, they're still going to have more energy than you would think. It's because they're bred to hunt. They're bred to move. Yeah. And then you go into working breeds. So all of these breeds, they have their temperaments. And those temperaments are essential into making that decision of, do you want this dog? Do you not want this dog? Yeah. So. Kind of what we ask at the end of every yeah. episode. So, in a show... What's a dog? <laughs> but in a show environment, they really should exhibit what the breed standard calls for. And yeah. the breed standard calls for specific temperaments. And it's a critical element in what makes these breeds unique. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I feel like I'm beating a, you know, 
dead horse, you know, I'm just saying the same thing over and over, but it is so critical. Well, and, you're driving the point home is yeah. what you're doing. It's what we call a callback, I believe. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and getting I, back to the main point. Yeah, and, and I think judges at some point over the past 10, 15 years have been saying, well, it's a dog show, so the dog should show. Yes, but they should exhibit the correct temperament for their breed. So a dog can still ask for a win and exhibit the temperament of their breed. Case in point, Alice. Alice is a diva supreme, but she is very workmanlike in the ring. Hmm. She is no nonsense in the ring. She knows what she's there to do and does her job very well. With that said, she asks for every single win that that dog's ever gotten. Mm -hmm. And how she does it, she glares down the judges and follows them around the ring with her eyeballs. (laughs) Never noticed that. (laughs) And it's hilarious. (laughs) One of my favorite UKC judges called her out on it in the middle of the ring. She goes, I have to pick her because she won't stop looking at me. Okay. Alice is like, you know you want to pick me. You know you want to pick mm-hmm. me. You know what? This from the same dog who I think the other morning, you had already left, I think. Um, I had to bring her in and her paws and her snout were mm-hmm. a little bit muddy. So I had to clean that up before I allowed her in my house because she, mm-hmm. she was a muddy little dirty thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is the full picture that is Alice. Yeah. So <laughs> it, she definitely exhibits correct temperament. But it goes to that point of a judge can still find a correct temperament mm-hmm. if they, you know, if the dog is correct. The great Portuguese water dog, Matisse, mm-hmm. he had perfect temperament for a Portuguese water dog. Active, ready to go, ready to do anything that is asked of him. Mm-hmm. And it showed. And he showed beautifully mm-hmm. and so the three in my mind three of the best show dogs in the world that have ever lived well four that have ever lived mm-hmm. um two of them are german shepherds yeah one's a carry blue terrier mm-hmm. and one is matisse the portuguese water dog i like the fact that out of the four of them you only remember one's name no <laughs> I remember all four of them. <laughs> okay. The best show dog by points uh-huh. is is Mystique. Yeah. The German Shepherd. Okay, so that's one dog. Dallas, the German Shepherd. Okay. Mick, the Kerry Blue Terrier. That's three. And Matisse. Matisse. All right, all right. So, so hey, put your money where your mouth is, damn it. Um, like you always say, go big or go home. But all four of those dogs exhibited correct temperament for their breeds. Mm-hmm. Both Mystique and Dallas owned the ground that they walked on and showed perfect German Shepherd temperament. Mick was the epitome of a terrier temperament. He was at the end of that lead all the time. Go, 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 go. And just commanded everything. Yeah. But that's correct for the breed. Mm-hmm. Matisse, I'd have already said, he's very yeah. workmanlike. Yeah, yeah. And that just shows three 
totally different breeds from three totally different groups, different temperaments, but still great dogs. Mm. So, yes, your chow chow can be a great show dog Mm -hmm. if it shows its correct temperament. You should not change the temperament of your breeds to fit the fad. Everything will catch up. Don't show your dog to meet the judge. Show your dog to meet the standard and let the judge decide, basically. Yes, very true. Very true. So, with um, that... No, 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 no. I what? do want to do one thing first before you go ahead and, you know... Wrap up? Take us on home and put it on a nice little bow. Um, the views expressed in regards to us regarding both Petco and PetSmart is in regards to specific experiences that Ashley and myself have had, not disparaging anybody that we know... Mm-hmm. Who has either worked at either location, which, to contradict myself, I'm pretty sure Sam would say, fuck it, go ahead and say what you want. Yeah, but it also does not mean that we view them as uh, the company is bad or anything. All of the raw tidbits are our opinions of right. things that we've experienced, things that we've read, you know, things of that nature. We are not citing our sources for raw tidbits. We do cite our sources for regular episodes. Right. Not raw tidbits. Because they are our opinions. Also, Red Ridge... What's, what's the full name of the store? Red Ridge Pet Market. Do you want me to look it up just in case? No. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, okay. I'm looking it up. Hang on. Um, but there's... In every... Lo- you win. Yeah, Red Ridge Pet Red Market. Red Ridge Pet Market. Yeah! Red Ridge Pet Market and Cana- Tori's Canine, Canine Adventures did not endorse this episode yep. by any stretch of the imagination. However... I would recommend both. If you are in the Richmond, Richmond area. area. Yeah. 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 Red River Yabara. Red alcohol. You're halfway gone. You know. Is it affecting done. you? No, not really. You're very pink still. Um, pink like that ribbon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a open show group one ribbon. <laughs> From 2018. <laughs> hey, that's Orlando, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's not. That's, that's, um, that's Richmond. That's last year. That's wrong. <laughs> I just said 2018. That was last year. Yeah, but I didn't know if it was... Oh, Orlando's is over there. <laughs> it's in the shadow box? No, it's no, it's over there. It's in that box over there. Just so you know, Ashley's pointing in three different directions. It's over there. It's over there. I guess it's, it's like a, that old cartoon with Bugs Bunny. There it is. There it is. There it is. But I guess it's a good problem to have where you can't find your group one ribbon. I think you it's have funny like 40 have, bajillion of them. I think, we have, I think it's funny that there are ribbons on where we keep the dog's food bowls. Whose well, fault is that again, by the way? Yeah. I say with uh, my head in my hands. No, I know. It's it's totally my fault. And why do we have like a big-ass thing of nothing but group one ribbons in the girls' room? Because our dogs keep on winning. That, because we can't. Yeah, because we can't. And we don't... So, just my rule, we keep certain ribbons based on the venue. Like, AKC will keep all of our ribbons from there. One thing that Ashley is, is she's a hoarder of ribbons and numbers. She refuses... To let go of either, and whenever we open this big metal box, box, it looks like a dog show equivalent of a treasure chest that a pirate would have. <laughs> but it's a, it's a, they call it a tack box. The lid opens up. There are drawers that come out, and the top kind of there's like a one part that's all you know flat and sheer mm-hmm. that comes straight down. In there, after a show, you will find ribbons and numbers galore. Well, all right. So the reason why I keep ribbons especially for AKC right now, is because we're working on titles. Mm -hmm. And so if anybody were to contest an award, we can come back and say, but we were awarded this ribbon. 
which says that we if there's an error in the catalog. <laughs> okay, so you're basically justifying your hoarding nature by saying evidence is everything. Yes, it is. <laughs> Damn straight. I'll take it and run. Damn straight. And I know my friends will agree with me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, but this has been a fun, you know, rather lengthy raw it's tidbit. It's almost nearly a full episode, isn't it? Yeah, but it's whatever. probably gone over an hour. Not bad for mm. something that hasn't been scripted. Nearly. Yeah, because, I mean, normally you have... Go ahead and cough it up, because you normally have something prepared mm-hmm. in regards to the specific breed, but what did you say when we came in here? I'm winging it. <laughs> She's totally winging it. Her non-adulting drink. Even yeah. drinking some of my own patented soda that I normally yeah. drink. So... It's not patented. No, it's yeah. patented by somebody else. I drink yeah. Dr. Pepper. Never mind. Yeah, don't sue us. We don't have any money. Yeah, no, I just drink Dr. Pepper because I like it. But, anywho... Um, this has been a fun raw tidbit. Ooh. Please rate, review, subscribe. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at aboutadog1. Ashley and I are still the only followers. Um, Instagram at aboutadogpod. Go ahead and reach out to us at email aboutadogpod at gmail.com and on Facebook. About a dog. And which you posted something about Goodreads recently on Facebook. Yes! Okay, so we also are on YouTube where we're just posting like random videos and stuff. Of us recording an episode, which is About a Dog Pod, Pod. on YouTube. And we have two new Goodreads lists. So if you go onto our Facebook page. So you have two lists? Yeah, there are two lists. Okay. One is basic, where yeah. it's like dog breed books and just basic things. Basic, of- bitch. <laughs> Why weren't you naming these? <laughs> I named them. Damn it. I mean, come on, dogs. Basic, basic bitch. Come on, it works. I know it does. Dog show people are laughing right now. Come on. So, and then the next one is advanced. And the advanced generally are more um, dog show specific books, dog breeding books, mm-hmm. um, dog canine structure and anatomy, where how those things blend in together. Um, my, the One of my essentials, mm-hmm. which is solving the mysteries of breed type. Oh, another shameless plug another for Richard shameless plug. <laughs> Um That book is in the advanced list. Yeah. Um, puppy culture is in the advanced list. Some structure and action, which is a wonderful thing done by... Pat Hastings. Oh, I thought I was going to have to Google search that thing. (laughs) Way to go. Wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. Wonderful book and wonderful seminar. If you can ever get to one of her seminars, I suggest you do it. They're great. They're wonderful. Um, But we will be updating these lists as new things come to us. Um, The basic one also has some things that if you are involved in dog shows and want to have like a thing to display at shows Mm -hmm. these are books that would be a good idea to buy and have on hand at like an information booth at a show right um the dr seuss um if i ran the dog show which you gave to your niece which i thought was absolutely clever um you're like i'm gonna put her in the ring she's gonna show a dog (laughs) the rita may brown sister jane books are there the akc dog book is there a few other dog breed books, and there's also a shameless plug for a dog breed book that has a Hamilton on the cover. Shock there. Um, but those are the kind of books that are on the basic one. I doubt the Tom 10 book is on the basic one. Not yet. It will be. 
the Tomten one where it only speaks the Tomten language. The Shut up. Tomtens can understand. Don't piss off the Swedes. I'm not. I'm quoting the book directly. I know, but you're giggling about it. Because <laughs> it's funny. I don't know who wrote it, but I like it because it's the same, funny. The same woman that wrote Pippi Longstocking wrote it. I no can't wonder I her like name. No wonder I like it. Um, so, again, rate, review, subscribe, all of that stuff. Find us on our social platforms. Mm-hmm. Um... If you happen to find my personal page on Facebook, don't be surprised if I don't friend you because I'm gonna I'm being very selective because I've had an influx of friend requests that have gotten a little creepy. I haven't had one. I know. It's weird. You haven't had any and I get like four or five a day and it's ridiculous and some of the ones are I just... wonder if I should be offended, honestly. <laughs> and I don't know if they're podcast people but or, well, I or what? think let's think about it I think you have you are more a well-known presence in the dog show world so it's not that difficult to find out this is the person who yeah. runs the pad- podcast this is that person over there this is her name look on Facebook done yeah, I mean, it's, whereas I'm hardly not, anybody knows who the hell I am. At yeah, that you're, dog show. you're. Oh, that's just Ashley's husband. That's who that is. Yeah, you're. We're not even married. Yeah. Yet. Um, you're more difficult to find than I am, and it's it's well, <laughs> this is my design. <laughs> that was more but, a joke for you. <laughs> Jesus. No, but Hannibal. <laughs> yes, Hannibal. But. I've got I've gotten a few <sighs> friend requests and the ones that have like mutual friends of mine that I know <sighs> on a personal basis and then I add them as friends and then they randomly start sending me messages that go hi or random waves like every other day. Yeah. No. No, that's not cool. You know, if you're Ashley is not going to acknowledge that unfortunately. Following the podcast for you is should be enough. Yes. If we if, don't know you personally, don't take this personal. Yeah, it's not anything in regards to against you. Yeah. It is just if we don't know you, you know, it's it's like a it's phone a, call you don't recognize. Yeah, I mean it's a safety thing for us too. Yeah. So follow us on our social media. <laughs> don't follow podcast, us personally on the podcast. <laughs> Not personally. Podcast, <laughs> yes. Personally, no. She's waving her hands in one direction to yes, the other, no, from left yes, to right. No. <laughs> so, thanks for listening. You guys are awesome. You uh, probably are finding me very obnoxious by now, and I'll just go ahead and apologize now. But I, I, I made her laugh. That's all that matters. So, with that... Great review, subscribe. Go hug your dog. They love you. They love you. <laughs>